Chapter 7, Anthony's Story 60% of co-workers' reactions are harmful to targets. 2017 U.S. Workplace Bullying Survey. The Passive-Aggressive Bully. Quote, So that was Mrs. Lundergaard on the floor in there. And I guess that was your accomplice in the wood chipper. And those three people in Brainerd. And for what? For a little bit of money. There's more to life than a little money, you know. Don't you know that? And here you are. And it's a beautiful day. Well, I just don't understand it. Marge Gunderson, Fargo. Anthony was 17 years old when he was hired by the local school district to work in the recreational sports office. It's a place where students, their families, and community members go to register for after-school sports. It's a busy, thriving office, a fun place to work. The job was going to help Anthony pay for his college education, for his textbooks, clothing, and food. He was living at home, but he needed the money. The bullying by his supervisor began almost immediately after he was hired. The bully, in this case, was a 50-year-old female supervisor who was firmly entrenched in the school district. We will call her Dolores. She was well thought of, had a good reputation among clients and school officials, but her reputation among her young staff was entirely different. I sat down with Anthony on a sunny November day, and he told me his story. The following first-person narrative is Anthony's. One of our biggest events was hosted an annual softball tournament. People would come in and reserve the space and get placed on the roster. We would take their checks and then Dolores and only Dolores would take the checks and place the teams on the schedule. One team manager came in late on Friday night when we were closing and had him be a check. I put it in a drawer, then closed and went home. I got a long text all in caps the next day. It was Dolores screaming at me because the team manager was in the office and they couldn't find his check. I sent her a text message and apologized, telling her the check was in the drawer. The nasty long texts continued all weekend. They were berating, mean, and insulting. On Monday, she walked into the office, walked right by me, didn't look at me or talk to me. She ignored me all week. She didn't talk about what I did wrong or tell me she received my texts or my apologies. She didn't speak to me all week. It was stressful to be at work or to be around her. It felt like walking on eggshells. It was a very toxic environment. I walked back to her office one afternoon to ask her for some forms I needed to help a customer register for one of our programs. And she snapped at me. I'll take care of this. Her nastiness got worse from then on. I was on her bad list. Everything I did was wrong. I was responsible for managing our website, basic customer service skills, and creating a database of all our customers. We would send a mass email to advertise all the sports we offer. She criticized all my work. I couldn't do anything right anymore in her eyes. She would roll her eyes and say things like, that is not the right way to do it. But she never sat down with me like a normal supervisor to train me. There was no guidance. I was a young student with just very little work experience. Her insults made me feel stupid. She would belittle me. I began to think I was stupid and I doubted my abilities. Felt that I would never be able to find a better job. So I stayed and I was bullied and I hated it. Dolores had a rule if somebody came into the office asking for her, she didn't want me to tell them she was available. She wanted me to walk back to her desk, tell her who it was, and if she didn't want to talk to them, she would have me tell them she was not here because she was in a meeting. 
After an entire week of dealing with her hostility and her passive-aggressive attitude toward me, I'd had it. Someone came in and asked for her. Instead of letting her know who it was, I told them to go back and see her. Dolores didn't like that. She came up to me in a rage and told me that it was disrespectful, that the person I sent back could have been a killer and she might have been harmed. The person I sent back had talked to her face-to-face last week, but she loved blowing things out of proportion and making me look like the inconsiderate one. That was a final straw for me. I'd had so much built-up frustration toward her. I told her she had made this week miserable for me. I asked her why she wouldn't talk to me or look at me. I explained that we were not communicating with each other effectively. I told her it was wrong to treat people like this, that she needs to get better at talking to her employees. Instead of trying to make them so miserable, they just want to quit. She said that she was upset with me about not putting the check in the right place, and it made her and our department look bad, and couldn't believe that I didn't even apologize for the situation. I did apologize, profusely. After that discussion, we apologized to each other, and the next day at work, she was back to normal, and everything was fine. But then I started noticing that she would do things that affected my job in a very subtle way. She began cutting my hours. That was the worst part of her bullying. I was losing money to get through school, pay my car insurance, and for books. And to top it off, she was giving my work hours to her relatives. She hired her son and gave him the website responsibilities. She hired her son's girlfriend, and she was responsible for compiling the database for our employees. I just sat there, working less and less. When I asked if I could work more hours, she said, Why? You must have lots of money saved from the three years you've been working here. And then there were the racist remarks. Here are just two examples. It's difficult to describe just how bad the racist atmosphere was that was created by Dolores. She is white. I'm half white and half Mexican. One day, Dolores and her assistant were talking about tattoos. Dolores said to me, Anthony, where's your tattoo? I don't have one, I said. My grandpa and dad hate them so I'm not getting one. And she replied, I thought all Mexicans got tattooed. Another time, one of the student workers put some cash from a parent on top of a file cabinet by mistake. Everyone was searching for the money, but we couldn't find it. Finally, the student was called in and she showed us where it was. When we were walking to our cars that night, Dolores said to me, I was sure she stole it. I was ready to call the cops because she is black and that's what blacks do. They steal. We live in a very diverse community. It's a melting pot of nationalities and ethnicities. People would come in sometimes and they were clearly struggling with their English language skills. Dolores always refused to pronounce their names properly. Once she said, I can't pronounce that, after a Southeast Asian man repeated his name to her. I'll just call you this instead. And she said something just awful to the man that embarrassed all of us. Anthony stayed with the school district and his job, but he watched many other students quit because of Dolores. School officials never did anything to stop her bullying behavior. What ended her reign of terror was a stroke that forced her to retire. What Anthony Did Right After a week of bullying, Anthony confronted Dolores. That confrontation forced the bully to stop her passive-aggressive behavior in the short term. But in the long term, Anthony lost money when his hours were cut. What Anthony could have done. Anthony could have documented all the bullying incidents and filed a complaint with Dolores' supervisor. While there are no anti-workplace bullying protection laws, 
there are laws against nepotism. Dolores could have been in trouble for hiring her relatives. What the experts recommend, quote, check your mental health with a professional, not the employee's EAP. Get emotionally stable enough to make a clear-headed decision to stay and fight or to leave for your health's sake. Your humanity makes you vulnerable, but it is not a weakness. It's a sign of superiority. Work trauma, by definition, is an overwhelming, extraordinary experience. That quote is from the Workplace Bully Institute's three-step target action plan. About the quote, I use this quote for Anthony's story because I wonder why bullies bully. Do they torture targets for just a little bit of money? It hurts us so much. What do they get out of it? Is it for the power? Is it the money? Just like those bad guys in Fargo? Is it for a little bit of money? Are they evil? Dolores had the power. Why hurt Anthony? And I'm quoting Marge now. And it's a beautiful day. Well, I just don't understand it. Chapter 9, Carol's Story. Quote, 61% of Americans are aware of abusive conduct in the workplace. 2017 U.S. Workplace Bullying Survey. Bullying the Whistleblower. Quote, you know, Burke, I don't know which species is worse. You don't see them fucking each other over for a goddamn percentage. Ellen Ripley, Aliens. I met Carol when we both worked in Washington, D.C. She was fresh out of the Navy and getting ready to marry the man of her dreams, a handsome lieutenant named Bill. She was hired to work as a fill-in reporter in the news bureau where I worked. We quickly became friends. She was nice, happy, very positive spiritual person, and a pleasure to be around. She also had a very impressive resume. She was a radio and television star when she was in the United States Navy. She was on the Armed Forces Network, AFN. The AFN Worldwide Radio and Television Broadcast Network serves American service members, Department of Defense, and other U.S. government civilians and their families stationed in bases overseas, as well as U.S. Navy ships at sea. AFN broadcasts popular American radio and television programs from the major U.S. networks. Her reports were broadcast all over the world. From Washington, the newly married couple moved to the Southwest, and Carol became a local legend. She oversaw the Veterans Day parades in her area. She became an award-winning marketing and public affairs guru. We kept in touch throughout the years and visited each other, and we remained friends. Carol, a veteran, of course, befriended and supported other veterans and the great caring doctors and others who began complaining loudly about the quality of treatment veterans were receiving or not receiving at U.S. hospitals. That's when her troubles began. Carol was perceived as a whistleblower by her supervisors. She was friends with them, so she must be one. The Veterans Administration whistleblowers were sending facts and figures to lawmakers and the newspapers, documenting how long it was taking for veterans to receive medical care. The delays were almost criminal. Bottom line, veterans weren't getting health care, and many were dying. By law, whistleblowers are supposed to be protected from retaliation. We all now know this is not what happened. Carol was bullied and tormented. 
she was demoted and removed from her position. She was given a desk in the basement. During this time, she called me to ask what I had done when I was being bullied. I told her, I'm not as brave as you or as young. I'm just hanging in here. I advised her to go over the heads of the bullies as I had done, but that didn't work for her. Carol's bullying increased. She called me again in a couple of weeks. We chatted. Then she told me this story. At this point, they had moved her into the basement and they had eliminated her time with other employees. Any work that was assigned was rejected as below standards and incomplete. She said she was so stressed out that she would arrive home from work, go straight to her bedroom, lie down on the bed and fall asleep. She was ignoring her husband and two children. She was so distressed and distraught, she felt like she couldn't cope with anything. The next morning, her alarm would go off and she would jump up and go back to work in the same clothes she'd worn the day before. I was stunned. My happy, perfect, strong, perky friend was an award-winning Navy veteran and she was being treated horribly by bullies. Those same bullies eventually pushed Carol out of a job that she loved so much and it's taken her years to recover, but she has recovered. She's written a book and it may become a film. Carol, you are my hero. Chapter 8 Pearl Story 61% of bullies are bosses. The majority, 63%, operate alone. 2017 U.S. Workplace Bullying Survey The New Supervisor Bully Quote I am mad. I'm always losing things and hiding things, and I can never find them. Don't know where I've put them. Paula Alquist Anton from Gaslight. Pearl was a mid-level federal government office worker. She was well-respected and popular among staff and managers alike. She was organized, efficient, and smart. Her career wasn't her top priority. She put her husband and children and grandchildren first. She worked hard, went home on time, always did her job. She tried to stay out of office politics. She became a bully's target when a new manager joined her department. Her bully, Janet, was transferred to California from Arizona. The bullying of most of the staff began shortly after Janet made her first speech to the staff. Janet promised that there would be few changes for the staff or the way the office was organized. The bully broke that promise the very next day. She began changing everything about the office immediately, and she did it without consulting the people who had efficiently been running the office for years. One of Pearl's job duties was to work with staff and outside vendors when open enrollment for healthcare coverage took place once a year. It was a huge week-long event with health insurance companies setting up tables packed with brochures and information to entice workers to sign up with their companies. Pearl managed the schedule, booked the insurance vendors, reserved the space, and worked to publicize the event. The day before the big event, Janet told Pearl, you're going to have to move the open enrollment event. We're going to use the room for something else. Pearl was stunned and speechless. Then she panicked. Pearl didn't argue with her supervisor. She didn't make a scene. She got on the phone and booked another room. She wrote a note that said, open enrollment moved. She made copies and posted them in as many places as possible. She arranged for a student intern to help direct staff and the vendors to the new location. 
It was exhausting and stressful to move the event that had been planned for a year. The day after the event, Janet said, Well, Pearl, you pulled that off. And then she said, The birthday party we had in the conference room was nice. Pearl was livid. All that work for a birthday party that could have been held anywhere. One day, Janet walked into the office and said, I don't like the location of these brochures. Pearl said, well, when employees come in and ask us about benefits, all we have to do is point to the brochures. They answer all the questions people have and more. Janet said, I don't care. Move them. Put them outside. They just look like clutter in the office. Pearl spent the next day rearranging the brochures outside the office door. When Janet arrived for work, she looked at Pearl and said, why are the brochures in the hallway? Pearl was dumbfounded. You told me to move them, so I moved them, Pearl said evenly. I most certainly did not tell you that, the bully said. Put them back in the office. Janet turned and left. A few hours later, another staff member asked Pearl, aren't you going to move the brochures back into the office? No, I will not, Pearl said. She told me to move them. I moved them. I won't move them back. Because Pearl was respected and so well-liked, a couple of other workers moved all the brochures back into the office. The gaslighting of Pearl continued for the next two years. She was not alone. The bully tormented the entire staff. The woman who promised that there would be no real changes worked nonstop to get the entire staff to transfer or quit. Pearl, who was respected and loved and who knew how to run the office with her eyes closed, decided to retire. She didn't want to deal with bullies ever again. What Pearl did right. Pearl never lost her temper. She was always even-tempered and professional. She continued to be Pearl, cool, calm, and efficient, even though she was suffering from the bullying. What she could have done. Pearl could have asked for a transfer to another department. She could have confronted her bully. She was so well-liked, there was a good chance the bully would have backed off. What the experts say. Expose the bully. This is the advice from the Workplace Bully Institute. They say, the real risk was sustained when you were first targeted. Targets lose their job involuntarily or by choice for their health's sake. In 77% of the cases, it is no riskier to attempt to dislodge the bully. Retaliation is a certainty. Have your escape route planned. That is from the Workplace Bully Institute's three-step target action plan. I'm not crazy about this advice. As a former target and survivor, I agree if you are strong and can take more abuse as you look for another job. About the quote. Gaslight is a 1944 film, kind of a creepy psychological thriller. The movie was adapted from Patrick Hamilton's 1938 play, Gaslight. It's about a woman whose husband slowly manipulates her into believing she is going insane. The movie starred Ingrid Bergman and Charles Boyer. He was broke and needed her money, and he was having an affair with a younger woman. I never could understand why any man would not want Ingrid Bergman, just like I can't understand why anyone would bully Pearl. Every now and then, someone will use the phrase, I'm being gaslighted. Pearl's bully was gaslighting her for sure. When a manager gives you an order and realizes it was a dumb decision, the easiest way for them to get out of it is to deny they ever said it. 
I was gaslighted several times as well. When my bully managers lied and denied they had given me an order, I would pull out my notepad, which I always carried, and quote the conversation and the day the order was given. Did that help me? No. They hated that, and the bullying increased. Did that make me crazy like the wife in Gaslight? Absolutely. Coming up next on Targeted by Work Bullies, Stories from Hell, the final part of the audiobook focuses on legislation, what other countries are doing, and what the United States is not doing. I'm Gloria Moraga. Please subscribe and please share my podcast.